and welcome to our 2023 mayoral debate for the by-election uh, brought to you, uh, co-hosted by the municipals, myself, Matthew, and Philip, uh, with the editor-in-chief of the Etobicoke Voice, Jennifer Alexander. Everybody, welcome. And we are joined by candidates uh, Selena, Selena Caesar Chavan, Rob Davis, and Anthony Peruza. We're still trickling in people, so we'll add more as we go along. Uh, but for now, let's get started with our candidates that are present. Uh, in order of appearance, Rob, you did show up first, so I'm going to pitch it to you. Uh, you have two minutes for your introduction, and then we'll go to Selena. So as soon as, Rob, you're done, Selena, you can just start talking, and then Anthony, you'll uh, you'll finish up, and anyone else who joins us afterwards, they can they can wait till then. Uh, Rob, you got two minutes. The floor is yours. Well, thank you very much. So not only uh, was I first today to log in, uh, I was the very first candidate to register to run for mayor of Toronto on April 3rd. And I was first for a reason, because I'm eager to serve the community uh, in which I grew up. Uh, I served previously as a city councillor. So to start off, my name is Rob Davis. I'm a former city councillor. I'm a candidate for mayor of Toronto. I want to make Toronto safer, cleaner, and kinder. You know, when uh, city council voted to shut down warming stations in the middle of winter, where did they expect people who were homeless uh, suffering from mental health and addiction and being in crisis to go. They went to subways. They went to libraries. It's one of the reasons why our subway system suffered with a rash of criminal activity. But in so doing, uh, the city saved a few hundred thousand dollars but lost millions in revenue. And that's the rule of unintended consequences. And if I'm elected mayor of Toronto and when I'm elected mayor of Toronto, I'm going to make sure that our decisions are thoughtful and well considered. Because we can't have a safer city unless we have a kinder city. And we can't have a cleaner city unless we have a safer city. All of the decisions that we make have a knock-on effect and all of the other things and all the other objectives and goals that we have as a city. I want to build a better Toronto for all. Safe, affordable, a place that's attractive for foreign investment, a place that's attractive for local investment, and a place that will be able to say, to say with pride, that we call Toronto home. And I look forward to answering questions and talking more about my plan to make Toronto a better place for all. Thank you. So thank you very much. My name is Selena Caesar Chavan, and my website is selenaformayorto.com. And I want to build on actually what Rob has said, because I think that we're with 102 candidates. There's a lot of great ideas. There's a lot of great stuff that we could pick up from each other. And this is about building a more compassionate city. This is about building a city in which people not just survive, but can thrive. However, in order to be able to do that, we need to restore some of the fiscal um, appropriateness that that Toronto desperately needs. It's facing a unprecedented financial crisis. And at the moment, we can't talk about safety or housing or better transit if there isn't the money to pay for those very basic items. And one of the things that I think people really need to understand is within Ontario, 
the social housing and assistance has been downloaded to the municipality without fair consideration for how we are going to pay for those items. And if we think about that, paying for it through our property taxes, um, paying for it exclusively through user fees is not a sustainable model, model. And in fact, it is not the way in which big cities are run. This is not just me saying it. This is researchers. This is a, a lot of experts talking about the way in big cities should be run. So my plan is really seconds, Selena. on the foundation of generating new revenues for the city, having a carve out of the GST to ensure that it's earmarked specifically for social assistance and social housing. So people are not left behind as we develop and ha- build a better uh, Toronto for all. Thank you. Go ahead, Anthony, or Councillor. Thank you so much. Um, So thank you, um, Matthew and Philip, uh, for the opportunity uh, to engage uh, in this forum. And I want to also recognize and thank the other candidates who have um, who are putting in the time to do that with us today. Um, uh, Greetings to to everyone. Uh, Look, I'm I've proposed a a platform built around affordability. Uh, It's true, the city of Toronto is going through a very, very difficult uh, uh, period uh, right now, a period that uh, was brought on uh, in large part by COVID, um, but but also has been propagated uh, by the other uh, orders of government, uh, levels of government. Uh, They've impacted us in in a very, very dramatic way, both those events. Uh, and the city's finances are in a difficult uh, uh, in a difficult position. Uh, we approved a uh, municipal budget uh, that was, pre- was presented by Mayor Tory uh, that has a, a 1.4 1.5 billion dollar gap in it. We're we can't carry uh, that deficit, so we have to uh, figure out how to balance the books. And, and I've proposed uh, probably the only novel. Uh, and big idea in this election campaign of all of the candidates. And that is that uh, Torontonians currently pay uh, $2.2 billion in property taxes, which the city of Toronto remits to the provincial government seconds, uh, each, each and every year. Uh, my proposition is that, uh, that that money stay here. We can't afford to return that money to the provincial government. And by doing that, we can keep taxes down. We don't have to increase taxes for the next three years. We don't have to increase fees or TTC fares for the next three years. Uh, and I want to make life easier for Torontonians, not harder. So uh, that's the at the center of my campaign. Thank you so much. Uh, Philip, you're up first. Nailed it. Really? <laughs> Sorry, I was, just, I was just saying, just nailed it on the on the time there. Uh, so my first, my first question, I, I think I, I want to toss this one because I, I feel like it's actually a, a relatively difficult one. I'd like to toss it to our, our sitting councillor, uh, Anthony Peruza. Uh, and it's about, it's about the city's affordability. Uh, so many parents in the city are worried that their children will not be able to live in the neighborhoods that they have grown up in if they wish to do so. Many are worried that these kids will not even be able to afford remaining in the city. What steps will you take so that parents of kids entering high school in this September can be confident that these kids will still be able to live in the city and be comfortable in 10 years when they are 24? Um, 
thank you. Uh, thank you, Philip, for the question. So I proposed a housing solution, uh, which is not novel, which exists uh, and is doable and can be delivered uh, for Torontonians um, uh, en masse uh, for about $1,000 a month. And in some cases, we can even get it under $1,000 a month. Up at, in fact, the, the model exists at Dirk University. Um, uh, the, the university um, you know, leased out some lands on which uh, the quad was built. It's student housing. Uh, so the model exists. And with a, some municipal contributions by way of land, by way of fees, and by way of foregone taxes, uh, that housing could be delivered today um, uh, you know, come in at a at about a thousand dollars a month, which is uh, which is affordable, uh, and with further contributions, could probably uh, be even more affordable than that. It's a practical housing solution that exists and that can easily be adapted uh, to build shelters, transitional housing. Uh, could be a, could be built out for seniors and could be built out for families as well. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, the second question I, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss to Rob Davis. Uh, have the residents who live in the city rent, and the majority feel ignored by many on city council and city staff? This is a big issue for tenants in the inner suburbs that are surrounded by very strong homeowner associations who are louder and more connected to city politics in many cases. What is your plan to support tenants in the city? Well, first of all, uh, let me say um, I've been a tenant, I've been a homeowner, I've been a landlord, and I'm a tenant again. So I understand uh, all sides of this of this argument. The first thing I want to say is city council failed all tenants when in 2017 they voted to license Airbnb. You see, councillors like Mr. Peruzza and, and others and other candidates are running. They have plans to spend billions and billions of dollars and um, I just want to buy a big pen. With this pen, I'm going to sign the bylaw to ban short-term rentals in Airbnb. And 20,000 rental units will come on stream within about 20 weeks. The problem is that people like uh, Council Prutz and others supported regulatory changes that created the housing shortage. So if you think about it, uh, it's economics 101, supply and demand. When there's a lack of supply and the demand goes up or remains the same, prices rise. So what did council do? Council legalized and licensed short-term rentals so that the supply of rental housing went down, but the demand stayed the same and door went up. Of course, that's why we have this affordability challenge. So it's very rich of all the councillors who sort of started the fire, uh, who are now running for mayor, are saying, please buy my fire truck, I can put out the fire. Let me say one other thing, and this is really, really critical as far as I'm concerned. Excuse me. The, the, the fact that tenants don't vote to the same degree and the same percentages as, land, as, as property owners is not lost on the politicians. Well, that's one of the reasons why I encourage, seconds, I encourage absolutely every single tenant to get out and vote. Because there's one thing that I've learned in talking to tenants. The rent is too damn high. And if you want lower rents and you want to see pressure taken off the rental housing market, 
then you vote for me. I'm the only one promising to ban Airbnb. Go to robdavis.ca. You can read my plan. I wrote uh, an op-ed for the Toronto Sun newspaper talking exactly about how I'm going to plan to get 20,000 units for the cost of a big pen. And now this is the, you, the opportunity for, for Selena and, and others to uh, engage in a, a, a short debate. We'll say three, four minutes and uh, anything you want to say on the topic of housing and affordable housing, go ahead. Uh, maybe Selena, you, you can start us off. Yeah, well, I didn't get to answer any of the questions about the housing, so I'll, I'll take an opportunity to probably just present a little bit of my plan around the missing middle, which is really what we're talking about when we're talking about parents trying to make sure that they're able to afford a house for, or their children are able to afford a house in the next 10 years. And I think one of the first things that we need to do is conduct an assessment of the current assets that the City of Toronto has, a vacant and unoccupied uh, city-owned property that can be used to address some of these housing needs. So taking that assessment and then making sure that we're speeding up the, be- the building approval process. Of course, we all know that Toronto ranked last in, um, in, a, in a survey looking at the overall scores for approval times. It ranked last. It has a higher cost. We have to get rid of some of that red tape and ensure that we're building faster. There's a number of housing that have been approved that are not being built. So it's not a matter of taking a big pen and getting rid of of Airbnbs and BNBs. It's about having the political will to get the housing done. It's about also looking at aggressive re- zoning re- reform. Yeah, but, but respectfully, Selena. I, I didn't interrupt of- you, Rob. I didn't interrupt oh, I apologize. I, I, I sat patiently and I waited. I, I, I thought I heard you inhaling and I thought you were stopping. My apologies. Yeah, no, I, I, I waited for your two minutes. So aggressive um, uh, zoning reform to meet the needs of c- citizens so that we have inclusionary zoning. And this doesn't mean just in, ensuring that we have, you know, 40-story towers everywhere. It's it's about looking at innovate, innovation around how we build, what that looks like, and making sure that we have um, appropriate uh, housing for everyone. And I think lastly, community land trusts really need to be part of this conversation to strengthen their work role in, in uh, growth and intensification in tra- targets as well. Go ahead, Rob. So respectfully to you and all of the others who have these billion dollar plans. I live on Royal York Road. I'm in Etobicoke. A hundred meters from me is a condominium development, luxury condominium development. Application was first put in in 2010. They started construction six months ago. It won't be complete for another three or four years. The housing that you're talking about is a great promise for something that's going to happen in 2036, 2038, maybe even 2040. The suggestion that I have puts 20,000 units on the market in September of 2023. Additionally, under my plan called HOME, which is Home Ownership Made Easier, I'm going to offer a municipal land transfer tax rebate to anyone who purchases a home and puts a second unit in that home and rents it out within the first two years of their ownership. It is an inexpensive way to allow private individuals and the private sector drive the development of housing without putting undue burden on neighborhoods. It doesn't create uh, traffic challenges. It doesn't create uh, shadow and wind problems. It doesn't uh, overly burden local schools, but it allows individuals to get second income from their property It incentivizes them to do it quickly. And under my program, every single family home purchased over the next one or two or three or four years 
has the opportunity to put an apartment unit. It doesn't matter whether it's a basement apartment, a second floor or a main floor apartment, but adding that second unit to their property with that incentive of having a land transfer tax rebate will create housing immediately. Uh, and, th- and that could be, that could work if we have aggressive zoning reform that allows for some of that. Well, second u- second, respectfully, exactly. second units are allowed already. They're allowed okay. in, in uh, pretty much everywhere in the city of Toronto. Anthony, do you want to jump in here before we move to the next category? I, I can. Um, uh, absolutely. I, I just, um, you know, Former Councillor Davis is is um, is obviously um, believes that um, that you can create this or you can add these twenty thousand units uh, to the market rental housing. I I don't know a lot of it is um, you know, a lot of those units are in condos and 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 so on and um, that that are being used for Airbnb. But I want to speak to a bigger uh, a bigger issue here, and the bigger issue is this. The city of Toronto, uh, over the last 10 years, uh, you know, um, I think, I believe it's 163 or 164,000 units of housing were built over the last 10 years. We currently have approvals already approved, done, finito, uh, for another 167 or 168,000. So we have a 10 years supply of housing already approved uh, that isn't being built. And, and the question is, why is it not being built? Well, it, it, for a number of reasons, um, because um, the industry can only build so much at a time, uh, you know, given uh, the labor pool, uh, given materials, given price, given market, and all of those other um, fundamental questions. Uh, but I don't disagree uh, with what Selena suggested. There need to be uh, two uh, levels of approvals. One uh, that deals with the more speculative stuff, uh, as uh, as uh, as Rob Davis uh, indicated in his Royal York neighborhood, for example, where folks take land uh, through the development process and then finally build it out, and 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 that uh, can uh, take some time. Uh, no question about that. Uh, but uh, so. So the one stream for that type of development, another stream for mid-rise residential intensify, intensification type development on major arterial roads, where you pre-zone, pre-define uh, what those developments need to look like so that builder X knows exactly uh, what they're in for up front in terms of what they can do uh, so that it doesn't become speculative in the sense that they want more and more and more, and it drags out the process longer uh, for, for approvals and so on. But they know exactly what they can do, so they can sharpen their pencils and understand what the land costs are, what the construction costs are, uh, what interest rates happen to be at that given time, and the product that they can deliver, which becomes obviously uh, far more predictable also for the ultimate um, you know, home buyer or consumer, and gets uh, uh, and provides. I, I think, and also creates more stability in housing prices. But that does not solve affordability. 
just bringing markets uh, units out onto the into the market where demand is always going to outstrip supply and continue to drive up costs because Toronto we've made it a very desirable destination global um, uh, uh, you know a, a destination piece uh, for the world at large lots and lots of people want to come here so as more and more people come, there will be more and more uh, demand uh, for housing. That does not solve our affordability issue. The affordability issue is simple. The city does have lands. The province does have lands. The federal government does have lands. We need to make these lands available for housing models that we can provide to people at affordable prices. And affordable prices uh... doesn't mean $2,000 a month means $1,000 or less uh, for, for individuals. And that also speaks to Counselor, different I think I've, I've let the, the timing sort of go wild yeah. here. And, but that requires an Thank assessment you. of our current assets. And it also involves getting community land trusts involved and strengthening their role in the intensification process and the growth process. I'll leave it there. Okay, so we're going to quickly go to uh, category two and to read off the questions is the editor-in-chief of the Etobicoke Voice, Jennifer. Go ahead. Hi there, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Um, So I'm going to actually ask Selena uh, this question. Uh, The question is about strong mayor powers. Do you feel you would need to use these new strong mayor powers to get your plans through council? So thank you for the question. And um, so this is interesting because I think if people put aside what has actually happened with strong mayors and John Tory and the current premier, um, one would understand that most cities, most major cities, if they're run, have strong mayor powers in place. And so there's a couple of things here. It already is in place. So it's whether or not someone decides to use them, but there has to be a system in place that that dictates how that will be um, used. One thing that we need to understand is historically, except for under Rob Ford, most of the times there was always consensus between councillors and mayors on moving forward with, with projects within the city of Toronto. So that is a historical reality, But I think in sort of activating the system of strong mayors, um, the first thing that people need to do is make sure that Torontonians are agree an agreement on contentious issues. There is a way to to get that information from the people that represent them from their wards, but also Torontonians themselves. Prioritizing collaboration, as has always been the case, as I said, except for that one instance, Prioritizing collaboration with council is absolutely paramount. There is no way that any uh, government can run appropriately without having that support. And again, working, I'm a researcher, working with officials, working with experts, working with people on the ground to ensure the best outcome. And then should it be required, strong mayor powers are there. So if they need to be used, after all of those, which I don't think that should be the case if you do it properly, they are there as a as a last step. But if you do the first three correctly, it shouldn't be used at all. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah, you nailed the timing there. 
I think she has a secret stopwatch going while she uh, while she answers questions. I don't. I just I worked. I did QP. So in QP and question period, she's, she's too stand, good. Your mic gets cut off. Uh, and you want a great a great sense say. of time. I I I demand uh, I demand we search. Uh, uh, she turned the camera so we can see if there's a stopwatch on her. Desk. Oh my god. <laughs> Rob, how dare you? No, no, I listen. <laughs> trust, trust, but verify. I trust you. <laughs> Go ahead, Jennifer. Keep going. Great, Bay. So I do have one more question, and I'm going to actually ask Rob this. Uh, I'm just going to bring it up. It's about the TTC, yes. and we just were wondering what your actual steps would be to improve the safety on the system. So where everybody knows it needs to be done, what would steps be that you would take? And also you can, uh, in the, in the, the open debate of this part, you can address the strong mayor powers as well. We're just trying to squish as many questions in as we can. Yeah. And, and, and we're all, we're all friendly here. So it's not, we're not in an adversarial position, even though I'm, I'm hoping to beat Selena and Anthony (laughs) in, uh, uh, in the race. So, so let me say this. First of all, uh, on the strong mayor powers, you know, mayors in Toronto traditionally get what they want. It's very rare that a mayor in Toronto, even with a weak mayor system, loses a vote on council. It would have to be something that's so objectionable to the majority of members of council that they would decide to go against the mayor, such as the power of, of the mayor's office um, when they're elected across the entire city. Um, will I use the strong mayor powers? Absolutely. Will I have to use the strong mayor powers? Probably not. Um, with respect to transit, on March 28, 2008, Rob Davis was a witness to the very first shooting on a subway at Spadina subway station. It's exactly 15 years ago that I had the unfortunate, unfortunate and unenviable position of having to run for my life and dialed 911. Toronto Council still has not provided cellular service to the underground portions of the subway system. It's unconscionable and it's a dereliction of duty. And I have to say, and, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to be difficult with a, 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 an opponent, uh, but every time I, I listen to um, Anna Pailau talk about Wi-Fi service on the transit system, I cringe. It makes my hair curl um, because the way to make a telephone <laughs> call in the subway system is through cellular connectivity, not through Wi-Fi. And so every time she talks about wanting Wi-Fi service, and you can Google search this, you know, she was on CP24 uh, on February on uh, February 28th talking about Wi-Fi service. Um, 30 seconds, it, Rob. It makes me cringe. This is one of the reasons why we don't have self-service, because the counselors themselves don't even understand the technical term for what it is they're trying to deliver. So number one, I would allow 10,000 first responders to ride for free. Police, fire, paramedics, 10,000 riding the service. I would enhance our our special constables and I would hire special constables who also happen to have a background in social work. And I would look for ways for us to do SEPTED, crime prevention through environmental design, doing an analysis of every station, every bus stop and every facet of transit. That's how we make our transit system safer. And now is, uh, again, a short uh, open debate. Anthony, uh, we can start with you. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So on the, uh, on, obviously on the strong mayor powers, I don't believe there's a legislature in the world. And if the mayor is going to be a member of the legislature, uh, there's a legislature in the world where you can win a vote with uh, 
you know, uh, by having fewer votes than the majority. Uh, it's a little like the Leafs, right? They can't win a game by scoring fewer goals, right? Otherwise, you know, they would have moved forward in the playoffs, right? Um, uh, they didn't score more goals in Florida. They went home. Florida went on, right? And I think that that's the way it should be. Unless you separate the office from the mayor, from the legislator, from the legislature, and create a different system. Um, uh, that's absolutely bizarre that as a member of that legislature, that somehow you could cobble together a minority of votes and then uh, and when the majority um, you know votes you down you can proceed so and anybody who thinks that they can do that uh, and who would do that has no respect for democracy whatsoever or the principles of democracy and that's absolutely bizarre to me uh, so uh, with respect to uh, safety on the TTCs no question that the uh, the the phone providers uh, Bell and Rogers and and others uh, have uh, basically neglected and um, abused their uh, their clients because they could have connected on with ATI you know twelve years ago and provided self service the self service is being denied uh, to the customers of these big uh, companies who who are basically having a sniff fit for not getting the deal or the contract because they were outbid by some other little provider who wasn't, uh, uh, you know, who was an integral part of this, of this market. Uh, it's true that the TTC tendering process at the time uh, may have been, uh, you know, uh, somewhat lax in thinking that they could get a, that they could award the contract to a, a small provider, uh, basically not known to this market, uh, that they would wire the system, and then, uh, and then the expectation was that, you know, the big providers, Rogers and Bell and others, uh, would sign on and provide cell service to their customers. Uh, it is true that city council uh, could have and should uh, lean on these uh, companies far more. It's true that the CRTC uh, should weigh in on this conversation because those companies are basically have denied their customers that service uh, because they didn't... Uh, you know, they weren't part of the deal and they, they weren't the ones that were awarded the, the contract. No question about that. Um, that, is, uh, that is a big gaping hole. Uh, and that is something that uh, both the TTC and, and, uh, and the city have some egg on their face, uh, but um, uh, can be easily rectified and should be rectified uh, because the people that uh, have service with Rogers, with Bell, and with some of the other big uh, big providers, uh, they're they're paying for that service, and their providers denying them the connection the minute they get onto the subway, uh, which is really highly regrettable. And making the TTC uh, safer for all of us, obviously, that's a priority because the TTC we need to grow the service, we need to improve service, we need to uh, um, you know uh, freeze fares and start to uh, to bring fares back so that we grow the TTC because public transit is the economic uh, is at the center of the economic life of an, an economic success of the city of Toronto. We all know that. And what we, we should be treating it, we should be treating it as a, as a service and we should be um, uh, conducting ourselves uh, and improving the TTC with that in mind. Uh, so safety is, is uh, really important on there. Uh, there's no question that our economy and COVID 
uh, and some of the other issues that are happening right now are create are 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 um, you're exacerbating and the fact of, uh, that we have uh, the lack of affordable housing and shelters and so on is exacerbating the problem of homelessness uh, on the system uh, and obviously we're seeing a lot of more uh, a lot more uh, mental health issues and mental health crises on the system itself uh, there's no question that uh, enhancing the neighborhood officer program on the system uh, uh, would be would go a long way to making people feel safer. But that has to be done in conjunction with, you know, crisis support workers, mental health support workers, outreach workers, and so on. Because those are those are the ways that we're actually going to be able to deal with uh, some of the sort of ongoing crises that are happening on the system, and and how we make it safer uh, for everyone and. Uh, and so that people are comfortable using our public transit system um, uh, going forward. Can I, can I respond? Can I respond to? Uh, I, was, I was really, I, was, I wanted to say, I was really hoping to say, you guys, you know, uh, the the open debate part. You guys can, you can jump in. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I really well, felt bad because I wasn't, I wasn't keeping the time right. for for this part. Let, so let me and turn I was back. That maybe you guys were thinking like I was, I was letting him have all this time. And let me turn back the clock. You can say something. Let me turn back the clock four minutes. <laughs> M- Mr. Peruzza, Anthony, when you talked about the strong mayor powers and how unfair it would be, you got in ni- in 2022, you got 8,700 votes in your ward. And in 2018, you got 8,300 votes. The mayor of Toronto got 300,000 votes. And what you're trying to tell the people of Toronto is that your vote should have the same weight as the mayor of Toronto, who ended up with, you know, 300,000 votes, even in a low turnout election in 2022. I think most people think that the mayor should have more power. Like, I, I completely disagree with you. And the second thing I want to raise around safety, you know, you and I were city councillors at, at the same time in the amalgamated city. And I have this vague recollection that when I put in place Canada's first ever gun buyback program, that not only you, but Olivia Chow voted against the plan that would allow people to voluntarily surrender firearms and get a small amount of money. And that program has collected close to 10,000 guns off the streets of Toronto over the last 23 years. I'm just wondering if you could explain to voters, why would you vote against a program that was so successful? Well, Rob, just to check your memory, I was never on council with you, so I would never have voted with you or against you on anything uh, because we didn't overlap on uh, on the amalgamated uh, council. So uh, for you to make that statement uh, in the determined way that you made it, uh, your memory clearly uh, you've aged a bit and it's going fuzzy right it's like all the gray dripping hair. out that's, your that's it's why dri- i say it's i dripping. vaguely recall it, it, i didn't it, say it it's certainty. dripping <laughs> it's 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 dripping out your ears rob so don't say it if you don't know it right that's part of the problem uh, with yeah then i uh, th- that's anthony, part of the problem I with st- I stand, anthony no, no, i stand rob, correct rob, and i apologize if i mis- rob, if i misquoted the voting record you did indeed uh and you i'm glad you accept my apology No, and you did it with such determination that, quite frankly, that's exactly the kind of rhetoric and the kind of BS uh, that then prompts people out in the public to look at us and say, you know what, 
these guys, I don't know, man, they're always talking out of their backsides, right? You just <laughs> provided the, the perfect example of that. So please don't do that. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and don't, uh, don't attribute uh, something uh, to me uh, that is, in fact, absolutely uh, categorically untrue. Okay, so we're going to go to the, uh, the final category. Um, I, uh, there are two questions here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch one to uh, Selena and one to Anthony and then open up the floor uh, like we've done the last two rounds. Uh, so, Selena, to you, I ask, uh, the city has declared a homelessness crisis in Toronto. What is your plan to tackle this very serious issue? I'll go back to um, to what I started talking about with the missing middle. I think the first thing around the homelessness plan is that the ombudsman put out a report with 22 recommendations um, related to encampments and related to uh, the housing crisis. It is very particular around the language around human rights and ensuring that people have dignity um, in those situations. There is a requested date to have um, to have a report back or response back to the ombudsman by June 30th. That needs to be prioritized. It needs to be put in place 100%. But in terms of uh, and and there's uh, if you read the report, there's really um, essential and imperative ways in which to navigate the homelessness crisis through implementing some of the recommendations, the 22 recommendations in that report. So I won't reiterate those. I'll let people go to those and read them. But I think in addition to that, looking to bolster the support of housing cooperatives um, so that people have an opportunity to have those transitionary processes to to get off the, the, the streets, to move into appropriate housing. But it's not just around homelessness, right? It's about having those wraparound services, those social determinants of health. And I'm not talking about mental health only because people who are homeless do not, you can't just equate that with mental health issues. You have to have those wraparound support services around mental health, yes, but other other social services, um, employment opportunities, opportunities to have them retrained, opportunities to have them as part of um, the, the processes that keep a city running. So the Osmondsman report, number one, making sure that those recommendations are in place, but also making sure that we have those wraparound services and they're going to cost. So again, I'm going back to what I said right at the beginning in terms of having uh, new revenue streams earmarked for social assistance and social housing. Right now, that is not the case and it's not the way to run a big city. You want to run a big city by having those earmarked funds so that when it comes to social assistance and social housing, you have sustainable, predictable funding that grows with the economy. Most of these organizations do not have capacity right now to provide the services that Toronto needs. Look at the O'Brien Tobin case. He was arrested many times. What failed was the social services that wrapped around that individual. And it wasn't a failure of the system because the system couldn't do a good job. It was because they don't have capacity because they don't have funding. And that needs to be- I dropped the ball on the timing. So uh, I I I think we actually went a little over. Talk to you know what? That's 
That's true. That's true. I. That's okay. I, I said my but... piece. I said my <laughs> piece. I'll wrap it up by saying, if we want to have, uh, if we want to start to look at the homelessness crisis, we need to look at everything in a comprehensive way because because safety, mental health, homeless, transit, all require that funding that is needed to make sure that people transition in a way that allows them to thrive. Thank you so much. And before I, I ask the last question, I just want to publicly recognize Jennifer of the Etobicoke Voice. She wrote all the questions. She deserves all the credit. Phil and I have been very crazy busy with our podcast, so we leaned on her. And And I just want to say thank you, Jen, for, for all your, your help. You really you really helped us a lot and made this... Oh. Made it made it happen for us. Helena, how did you do that? that so I, I'm not so always cute. comfortable speaking out loud, and as you'll see, I'm a quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I like to write, so I, I'm happy I could help out any way I could. Thank you. Um, for the final question, Anthony, uh, counselor, uh, schools have been trying to help feed kids. Uh, in schools as it is difficult to succeed on an empty stomach food banks are being used more than ever and many have decide have to decide uh between rent and groceries the tdsb has a huge budget shortfall this year due to provincial government underfunding what would the city do uh under you as mayor to help support feeding kids in the city go ahead yeah so, so the a lot of the the nutrition programs that are now being delivered in the school are in fact delivered through the city. It's the city that that actually is uh, has those programs in there, uh, and um, you know I've opened a number of them myself in 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 our schools, uh, and there's no question that uh, it has to be uh, oh, uh, those programs have to be available uh, more universally um, uh, to schools and so on. With respect to to um, to food banks and with respect to access to food, uh, that's obviously it's saddening that's becoming a more prevalent problem, and the lineups are getting longer, uh, and you know at, at those places, and uh, and obviously it's becoming problematic. Uh, so we've tried in a number of cases uh, to move those uh, food banks in more visible, more accessible uh, locations. Uh, uh, I believe that the private sector also has a, a very significant role uh, to play here. Uh, so, so collecting uh, the food right now isn't really a, a, the problem. The problem is is that we have the we have these big lineups, uh, and and we and the food banks are are in places where they're not as accessible to people uh, that they should be. So, we tried to bring them out into into more open places, into libraries, into community centers, and we need to make allowances. Uh, while people need access to 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 food banks to to be able to do that um, uh, more easily uh, more readily there's no question that 30 affordability, seconds, yeah there's no question that affordability is uh, is at the center of uh, uh, most of most of uh, uh, the problems that folks are facing affordable rents affordable housing uh, and and uh, we've spoken uh, uh, a little bit about that. Uh, people can go to my website, uh, peruza.ca, uh, where I spell out uh, where we can do much better on all of those things, having affordability as the center of my, uh, of my election. That's, that, that's the main piece of my election, affordability. That's and everything counselor. that I'm talking about is geared to that. Thank you. 
Uh, feel free to jump in for the final uh, uh, debate period, Rob, if you wanted to start. Yeah, so, so a couple of things. Uh, you probably noticed the Dundas Street sign behind me. Um, you know, when I first registered to run, I walked with this sign um, and used it as an example of misguided priorities and wasteful spending. I care more about the homeless person living on Dundas Street than I do changing the name Dundas Street. And I know what people will say. Uh, this is a, a relic or the name is a relic of our colonial past and that uh, we should do everything we can to uh, eradicate these relics. Um, I disagree with that. What I believe should happen is that we should focus in on the priorities that matter to people. I want to serve the people who live in Toronto now. I want to make sure that we take care of homeless people. I'd rather dedicate funds to help uh, children from the BIPOC community graduate from high school and university. Um, and with respect to uh, uh, food insecurity, you know, most people have to make this decision. Uh, do I pay my rent or do I buy food? And what they're doing is they're deciding to keep a roof over their head and then they're going to food banks. So again, my, my plan uh, broadly is to bring about the immediate um, uh, uh, bringing it into the marketplace immediately 20,000 rental housing units that are currently in Airbnb because city council voted to license it. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Tourists are staying in houses and apartments and city council had to put homeless people in hotels. It's bonkers. It's the wrong way around. And why are we doing that? Because the tourists have jacked up the price of long-term rentals because landlords are thinking, I don't want tenants in here. I get stiffed all the time. So we need to have some balance in the marketplace. Not only do we have to ban these short-term rentals and allow you know, tenants to be able to bid on this rental housing, but we also need to find ways to protect landlords. Um, so I, I'm looking at a program that would, <clears throat> through the provincial government, creating a regulatory environment where insurance companies can offer uh, a rental insurance policy that either tenants or landlords or a combination of both can offer. So what we need is balance. The small landlords need to know they're going to get their money. Uh, tenants need to know that there's a, a supply of housing for them. And when we take care of that component of daily life, then the issue of food insecurity kind of drops off the table because there's enough money left over before the end of the month comes to be able to go to the local grocery store and buy groceries. That being said, I still believe in supporting the efforts of the food bank as much as we can. You know, the city of Brampton has an amazing program that I'd like to see us adopt and expand and make even larger. They have a backyard gardening program. Residents are encouraged to grow vegetables and fruits and other things in their backyard for themselves and any leftover amount of, of, of produce, of fresh produce to be donated to local food banks. I think as mayor of Toronto, I think it would be incumbent upon us to engage our faith communities and individuals so that we could grow a, a million pounds of fresh vegetables and fruits to be donated every single year for local Rob, food. Let me just, uh, uh, I'm aware of our time. Selena, I don't want you to leave without making a closing statement. So why don't we jump to that and then you can, uh, you can log off. Oh, I apologize. I didn't want you to cut Rob off because I did actually. No, no, I, I was actually finished. I had my oh, okay. uh, my inner stopwatch. <laughs> I like that idea turn. about the garden. That was really, that was really, that's the best one you had. You should start with that next time, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, um, so I just. I just want to say thank you to Rob and Anthony um, always. Uh, 
for being so cordial and for their their great ideas. Everybody on this call wants to make Toronto a better place, a place where people could thrive. And I want to thank yourselves, Jennifer, Phil, Matthew, for having me. Um, my platform is available on Selena for Mayor, uh, T-O dot com. Um, really, again, just looking at the foundation of my campaign is around revenue streams. We cannot continue to go cup in hand to the province and to the feds, um, hoping that they give us, you know, handouts that have big strings attached to it when housing and social assistance has been downloaded to the municipality. We cannot continue to do that when we know that people who are looking to the shores of safety for Canada, most of them come to Toronto. There has to be a way in which we are accommodating for being a landing base for some of the people who are facing very serious geopolitical issues, but also having a, a huge issue in and of itself of, of housing and, and homelessness and the social assistance supports that wrap around that. If we're not bringing in new revenues to the city, then we're not going to be able to do that in an adequate way. And we're not going to be able to do it in a way that a big city should be run. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm, I'm asking people, I guess, if you're, if you're voting for me, great, but at least interrogate other candidates as to what is going to happen when we're talking about generating new revenues for the city and not just saying we're going to cancel one thing to pay for another. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for coming on uh, this debate. We appreciate it. And uh, we wish you nothing but luck. Um, Anthony, uh, I, I also understand that you are, uh, uh, well, I can see you're in a car. So would you like to go next and uh, make your closing statement and then Rob can finish it off? Uh, happy to do that, Phil. Um, listen, uh, uh, Matthew, sorry. It's okay. Matthew. <laughs> no, no, no. Matthew and Phil. Okay. And Jennifer. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for the opportunity um, to engage today. It's always good, uh, you know, when you're able to put ideas, um, you know, on the table, um, you know, uh, food for fodder for, for all of us. Um, I want to thank uh, both uh, Robert, uh, both uh, Rob and Selena for, for their input today. Um, you know, these elections are always an engaging exercise. Uh, and if you listen and if you listen to, the, uh, to, to other folks and what they're saying, uh, you learn from that and, and you only get better as a result. And, uh, and I'm hoping that, that we can all do that because uh, there are a lot of uh, interesting ideas being, uh, being put on the table. Uh, I do agree uh, with Selena that, uh, and this is why at the center of my campaign, uh, which is laid out on peruza.ca, um, is the issue of affordability. So what Peruza is saying is, look, um, you know, during, you know, as we're coming out of COVID and as people are hurting and, and having tough times, now is not the time for the city to pile on. So Peruza says uh, no property tax fee or fare increases for the next three years. How do we continue to build the city that we want and that we all deserve? Uh, currently, we pay 2.2 billion. The city of Toronto collects and returns to the province of Ontario $2.2 billion in property tax monies uh, that are paid for all of us. That money has no business going to the, uh, to the provincial government. Uh, and that money needs to stay here uh, to be able to pay for uh, the city that we all want, the city that we all deserve, a city that, that works well uh, for all of us. Um, so uh, that's what, uh, what is at the center of my campaign. 
that is what I believe we need to do. Uh, and we do. We need to clean up our finances so that we don't have to go a cap in hand to the provincial and federal governments in a perpetual basis and always be playing catch up uh, and making life harder for Torontonians as a result, not easier. What my plan is to make it easier for people, not harder, uh, because Toronto does better when Torontonians do better. Thank you so much again for for coming out to this uh, debate. We really appreciate uh, the time in your schedule. Thank, thanks to all of you. And Rob, it's over to you, okay? Thanks, brother. Yes. Drive safe. Thank you. Go ahead, Rob. So do you guys want me to, do you want me to jump in? Yep. All right. Yeah, it's your time. All right. So, folks, my name is Rob Davis. I'm a former Toronto City Councillor, former Vice Chair of the Toronto Transit Commission. I was a former Budget Chief. I voted for five consecutive property tax freezes. I know how to save money, deliver services, be frugal, and creatively solve problems because I want a safer, cleaner, kinder City of Toronto. On my time on City Council, I introduced Canada's first ever gun buyback program. That policy brought in close to 10,000 guns over the course of the last 23 years. Uh, I have a plan to create affordable opportunities for rental income immediately. Not five years, not 10 years, not 20 years out, but in the next 20 weeks. I'm not going to spend a billion dollars here or a billion dollars there. I'm going to buy a big pen for $1.22, and I'm going to sign the bylaw that bans short-term rentals. You all know from... Economics 101 at university or high school, that supply and demand are what drives the price of goods and services. When city council voted to allow and legalize short-term rentals, they took the supply of housing available for long-term rental out of the market while the demand stayed the same and increased because of immigration. What did they think was gonna happen when they did that? So the same people who put gasoline on the fire of inflation are now trying to sell you that they have the best fire truck and you should hire them to be mayor. I'm telling you, as God is my witness, they are current, they have proven themselves not capable of providing the solution to the problem that they created. Number two, we have to get our house back in order financially. There's a $1.5 billion shortfall on the budget. And when city council spends $21 million to change the name of Dundas Street and 59 other streets, you know that it's an example of misguided priorities and wasteful spending. 21 million for street signs, but only 15 million to make the TTC safer. You know, and I know, that they've got the wrong priorities. So the councillors who are on council now, who are running for mayor, have it wrong. They're on the wrong track. We know that Ms. Chow is going to come in and raise your taxes. And I know it sounds like fear-mongering, but you just have to look at the record. In her very first year as a member of Metro Council, she voted for a 13% property tax increase. And if you think 13% is high, just wait until she gets started as Mayor of Toronto with strong mayor powers. I'm interested in making life affordable for residents. I'm going to be tough on crime and tough on criminals, but I'm going to be gentle on taxpayers. I have a program called Offender-Focused Policing that will allow us to reduce the recidivism rate 
among offenders who come out of jail and come into our communities by focusing on the people who are responsible for the vast majority of crime that occurs in our city. I have a plan to help people purchase a home, reduce the cost of purchasing that home through a rebate of the municipal land transfer tax, allowing them to add a second unit to their home and incentivizing them to do that by giving them a rebate if they do that within the first two years of buying their first home. That is how we provide instant, affordable, clean, um, and safe rental housing for people. Not with the government delaying, deferring, arguing about where to put it, figuring out the cost. We have hundreds of thousands of people who come to this city and thousands of people who buy a home for the first time, and they're looking for ways to be able to afford to purchase that home. So it's affordable home ownership and it's affordable rental, hand in glove, working together to help us solve the economic crisis that has been created by the people who are on council now. So if you're like me and you want a safer, cleaner, kinder city of Toronto, a better Toronto for all, then I ask you for your support. I need your vote. I need your donations. I need you to volunteer and join our movement. You can go to robdavis.ca for more information about me. I have a long history of public service. I love this city. And I tell you with all of my heart, we need to put the city back on the right track. And on election day, I need your vote. After election day, I need your help so that we can build a better Toronto for all. Thank you. Thank you so much again for, for joining the, uh, the debate. Um, I want to thank again, Jennifer and, and Phil. I mean, we make a good team and I appreciate everyone that came out and uh, thank you. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure. And thank you to everybody who's listening and watching. This is really important.